Welcome in, everyone, episode 36 of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I am Kenny Cochran, joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Mr. Jake Huell. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Baseball season is upon us. At least, that's what it feels like. And uh, I know for, for you boys right here, we are pumped and, and itching to talk about some baseball and uh, to watch some baseball, man. Spring training is in full form. The Braves are out there. We got insiders dropping videos of Ronald Acuna hitting nukes off of Max Freed and getting struck out by Spencer Strider. So uh, that's breaking news right now. And uh, that's because the sports world is very, very slow at the moment. The world needs baseball. Yes, the world does need baseball. And luckily enough, we'll be getting a little bit of preseason, a little spring training baseball this coming up Friday. So just two days away. Next time we do a podcast episode, the Atlanta Braves uh, spring training season will have started. The Grapefruit League will have kicked off. I believe our first game is Saturday at around 1.05. I don't know if it's televised anywhere, but it is some type of baseball. Um, I don't know what games are going to be on TV. I'm sure they're going to have some of them, and I'm probably going to be tuning into any games I can. I don't care what team's going to be playing. I just want to watch some baseball. Um, Amen. I do like college ball. Um, something about the wood bats a little bit different. Kind of gets you a little bit more pumped up for the for the major league season compared to that metal bat. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm really I'm really excited for it. Like you said, it is the flow season. Before we get too kicked off and braced up, I do want to mention the Hawks have uh, dismissed head coach Nate McMillan. I don't know if you saw this news, Kenny. We currently have yeah. an uh, interim coach. I don't have the name in front of me. I'm not going to look the name up, but I know the head the head coaching uh hire. Look, look has began. Um, so they're out there and they're trying to fight a coach ASAP. Obviously, this team's still uh, the eighth seed in the East, so still playoff contention, still looking to make the playoffs and make a push for a championship. Don't think it's going to happen, but hey, as long as you're still in contention, you, you, you want to run on a good team. Apparently, Nate McMillan had been asking the team to allow him to step down for a couple weeks now, and they were trying to ride him out for the rest of the season. Obviously, that didn't work. Uh, we just need to find if we see if we can get a coach that can work with Mr. Trey Young because so far in his short career, um, haven't had much success doing that. Insert Coach Ukoda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to all the trouble in Boston. Bring him to Atlanta. Oh, What's the worst U- that could happen? Udoka, or however you pronounce it. What's his first name? It's like Ime Udoka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll take that guy. Bring him in. Um. There's a lot of guys out there. I'm sure they'll make a hire here soon. We'll get somebody in. Hopefully that he is successful and we can root for him. But the big topic of the conversation is Braves. And uh, last week, last episode, we talked about the pitchers. We gave our rankings of our pitchers, the guys that we think are going to make the roster, guys we don't think are going to make the roster. Give a little breakdown of all the guys. So today we're going to be doing the position players. Um, hopefully we can bust out all, what, 10 positions now? Uh, nine positions, nine positions, DH included. Um, that'd be fantastic. But we'll see how time goes. Maybe we'll do infield, outfield. But we'll, we'll, we'll make this thing work. We still got some time, yeah, like yeah, Kenny yeah. said. It's short. Uh, you know, news is short right now. It's probably going to be short for the next couple weeks. So, yeah, plenty of time to take care of things. Yeah. So, we talked a little bit off air. We had a little situation. My son decided to wake up from his slumber extremely early. And I had to go take care of him. So, we are back. But uh, right before I bounced, we talked about where we're going to start the uh, weaker position groups or the stronger position groups. I, I don't know if we decided. Um, work our way up or down. Let's work our way up. Let's start with weak and then go to strong. We're going to start with infield, start- including catcher, and then we'll see if we can work to outfield. 
and DH. So we'll, we'll, we'll include DH with outfield just because I think the guy we know is going to be playing primarily DH is also considered somewhat an outfielder. So, um, well, well, if we're starting on the weak side and we're talking about the infield, I don't even have to ask you. The weak spot on this team is shortstop. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. Shortstop is definitely the weak spot in this Atlanta Braves team. Um, I know the big debate with shortstop started back in the Dansby contract negotiations. Um, Dansby had a career year last year. He was a top five shortstop in baseball in, in the MVP conversation for most of the year. And shout out Dansby Swanson. Um, Atlanta guy through and through. Loved having him as part of the Braves. But uh, unfortunately, weren't able to work that out, man. Um, Dansby went, got paid a whole truckload of money to go to Chicago. And um, thought the Braves might look elsewhere. Uh, there was a lot of uh, inclination that we might be headed towards a Willie Adamas type situation, something like that, which I know a lot of Braves fans would be excited about, including myself. Yes. Um, and we did not. We ended up sticking with the Young Guns, man. We're going to roll it out with Vaughn Grissom. Um, you know, don't know 100%, 100% if he's going to be the day one starter. Um, I guess. I, I'm not sure. Um, I guess that dives into our next question of who do you have starting at shortstop day one. Um, I do have Vaughn. I also have Vaughn Grissom. I, I think that as of right now, if you're going to play him at the major league level, he has to be starting. So I think that if he makes that opening day roster, he is no doubt going to be your everyday shortstop. And yeah. majority of that is he's so young. Um, and there, there's no point to sit a kid like that. Uh you know, on the bench, the major league level, if he's not, if the plans are not for him to be the everyday shortstop in the major leagues, um, send him down to triple A, let him get work down there. Um, right. he doesn't really serve much of a purpose being a bench guy, especially with the DH nowadays that you don't really see too yeah. much utility off the bench. Um, but yeah, man, I, I definitely think Vaughn's going to be that guy. I think the hit tools there. Um, there was a span last year when he first got called up, he looked like he was one of the best hitters on the planet earth, on the planet earth. Um, and obviously he kind of cooled down a little bit. Defense has been a question. But, I mean, if Ron Washington comes out here and, like, you know, pretty much puts his neck on the line for a guy saying how much he can vouch for him, um, I, I trust it. And, you know, the Braves have never given me a reason not to trust what they do. I know I say that a lot, but um, this is just one of those instances. And, obviously, this is a guy I've been high on even throughout his minor league career. So, I'm rooting for him. Um, definitely think the hit tool is going to play up. Uh, I, I honestly don't think we're going to get much of a drop-off offensively from last year with Danzy Swanson. Defense is a different story. Danzy Swanson is, you know, an otherworldly defender at short yeah. where, you know, sure. Vaughn and even some of the guys we have later on are still, you know, I'm not going to say question marks, but not nearly as dominant defensively as Dansby was. No, that that's definitely the biggest question mark with Vaughn's game because I don't think anybody's going to argue that Vaughn's ceiling um, in the batter's box is much higher than Dansby's. Yes. Um, just from what we saw last year. I mean, you, you look at, you know, and what he played. It was uh, 41 games last year. He had 291, 792 OPS, uh, five home runs, 18 RBIs, stole five bases, you know, walked 11 times. Like, those are solid numbers. Obviously, they're a little skewed because he played uh, pretty bad later on in the season. But dude comes in, first major leagues hits a home run over the Green Monster in Fenway and then was riding on cloud nine the rest of the year until he wasn't. Yeah. And, um, you know, to round it out with a season like that, honestly, from a 21-year-old at the time, shortstop and Vaughn Grissom that you throw in and say, hey, man, you ever played second base before? Well, you're going to now. Um, well, it not really the ideal situation for uh, development from a, a guy like Vaughn Grissom, but, hey, you throw him in there, baptism by fire, and he shines. Um, I think the biggest thing with him, you're right, Jake, is the fielding. The fielding question mark with Vaughn has been there forever. Um, I think a big part of it, too, for people you know that maybe aren't as – 
versed in the minor league baseball scouting system or watching minor league baseball and, you know, giving the eye test to these guys is what they saw in the majors. And um, can't really judge Vaughn off of what you saw in the majors because he was not playing his primary position. Yeah. So um, that doesn't mean the question mark's not there. I mean, I guess it means the question mark's there even more because you've never seen him play short. But uh, nonetheless, you know, Vaughn Grissom's been working his tail off in the offseason with Ron Washington. We know how Ron Washington can do with these guys, man. He's got a gold glove pitcher. He's got a you know, great field in third baseman, one of the best fielding first basemen in uh, Major League Baseball, and he's um, you know, trained up Dansby Swanson. Not to say Dansby didn't have all the tools before he came to the Braves, but you know Ron Washington helped him. Yeah. So um, he's in the best position. No, I agree. You give it to a guy like Ron. Um, he's he's, he's going to get you there. Um, this is actually kind of a crowded position, too. I mean, I'm not going to say crowded with like you know the upper echelon depth, but there is a lot of depth at this position that we could see make an impact at the Major League level. And after getting on Vaughn a little bit, um, I think you can cover that a little bit more. And a lot of these guys, it is weird to put them at shortstop, but I feel like this is more of like a primary spot for them. Um, but, you know, these guys can't play all over the diamond. And uh, the first one that I kind of want to mention is Orlando Arcia, the obvious answer, the guy that if Vaughn Grissom was to not make the opening day roster and not be the starting shortstop, this is most likely your uh, likely candidate. Um, yeah. Another reason I don't think Vaughn's, you know, another reason I think Vaughn's going to win that job is just because Orlando's, um, like I just mentioned, his ability to play multiple positions is is very, very useful. Um, you know, if Austin Riley's not feeling the best or Ozzy Alvey's not feeling the best one day, something, you know, tweak something in warm-ups, you, you just throw him out there and there's no emergency plan you have to take. You just throw Orlando out there for a day. You know you're going to get, you know, solid, solid to, you know, a little bit above average defense. The bat plays uh, somewhat, um, he, he's a little bit streaky to me. Orlando is a guy that could definitely have some big hits here and here in there, but offensively he's not really going to light it like you know light the board up or anything like that. Um, but I mean, he's a guy that can run into a ball every once in a while and, and you know hit one four forty. That's the good thing about Orlando. And he, you know yeah. pretty pretty professional approach, a lot of big time hits. Uh, and man, I, I honestly think I would love to see this guy get another opportunity to be an everyday shortstop at the major league level. I think that, you know, with his age and obviously his prospect caliber coming up out of the minor leagues, this is a former, like, top five prospect in baseball coming up. Um, I think that offensively, I think if you put him in the right system, he could be an everyday shortstop in the major leagues. I just don't think the opportunity is ever going to rise with the Braves. I agree with you there 100%. I love Orlando Arcio. He's seen this guy play left field, dude. Like, mm-hmm. he's you, you can put him anywhere. Um, and you might see it this year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, watch out for that. One thing that I'm going to say about Orlando RC, and this is super, you know, don't really have a stat for this, but he's got ice in his veins, dude. Yeah. When you need a clutch hit, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. No question. He steps up at the batter's box, and you feel good about it. He's delivered so many times for this Braves team, not just hitting nukes, but finding the gap, you know, getting the ball down in space somewhere and, and driving runs across. That's what he did. I mean, last year he played – 68 games for the Braves, had 30 RBIs, nine home runs, uh, walked 21 times, batted 244 with a 733 OPS. Or, uh, yeah, 733 OPS. Um, those are solid numbers for a rotational guy, dude. Yeah, he's uh, he's, he's pretty, like, unbelievable. And as a guy that just kind of was like a throw-in, kind of popped on the Braves out of nowhere. Like, I don't remember how he, how he got him. I think I feel like he just kind of kind of showed up one day and then made an impact at the Major League level, and he's stuck around since. I know he's on a two-year deal. He signed two years or. You know, not this past off season, but the one before. So you know, he still has another year of control left. Um, yeah, he, he's he's going to be a guy that has a job in Atlanta. I think as long as he wants to have one, just for the aspect of team chemistry and the ability to play every spot. I kind of think he is the Braves' um, 
super utility guy. Like I, I think that's the role that we're going to have him in this year, and I think that's the role he's going to kind of stick in. And uh, like I said, there's not many people that would see, I mean, there are better guys out there that, that play that role. You know, obviously you talk about a guy like Jeff McNeil and you know, you know DJ LeMayhew that can just play a couple different positions in the infield that do you know start and put up crazy numbers. But uh, you know, a guy that you're not really expecting to start every day, Orlando RC is definitely serviceable at that position. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about, Orlando, but I have three more guys on my radar at the shortstop spot. Now, the only thing I was going to hit on with Orlando is this is a guy that does have a glove and an absolute hose. Yeah, he is he's a pretty solid defender um, at short and second. I think his one little bit lack is uh, range. Orlando, yeah. if you ever watch him play, he's a pretty hefty guy. He's not really your super slim, athletic-looking shortstop out there. He looks like he's about 6 foot, 220. I don't really have his... He's listed at six foot one eighty seven. I, I I have a hard time believing that. He seems like he's definitely over the two hundred mark. <laughs> For sure, two bills, no doubt. Yeah, he does have a cannon arm. Um, smart player knows how to make all the smart plays. Great instincts. Um, I, I think that, you know, he's a stud. All right, three more guys left for me. And uh, actually, one of them is on the 40-man roster. And the guy on the 40-man roster is the guy that has the least likely chance to see at the Major League level this year. And the only reason he's on the 40-man roster is because he was protected for the Rule 5 draft this past year. Um, so I'll go ahead and start with him. Braden Shoemake. Um, I do think there is a route that we could see Braden Shoemake at the Major League level at some point this year. I don't think it's going to be early on. And I do think the injuries would have to surface. Shoemaker is coming off of probably his best minor league season he's put together with the Braves last year, and it was not anything crazy. I want to say he was around 260, um, about 10 home runs. He did suffer an injury in August that kept him out for the rest of the season, so his season was cut kind of short. But it was nice to see Shoemaker be able to put things together a little bit. And another reason I think that we could see him, if something doesn't work out with Von Grissom and somehow, you know, we, we Ari Adrianz is not on the team anymore and Danny Hatchafree, obviously two guys we're going to mention right after this, um, aren't on the team anymore because they don't get their options picked up and they declare for free agency afterwards. Um, Shoemaker could be that next super utility guy up. I mean, this guy played primary second base last year, which is interesting. I, they tried him at that whenever Ozzy went down. Um, he can play a couple spots in the infield. Six foot four, um, absolute tank it, shortstop. Six four, 180, got a super similar build to Carlos Correa. Guy that whatever is coming up out of the out of college. Um, a lot of people were saying that his bat was going to play. His bat was there. That's that. That was not the worry. His defense was the worry. But ever since he's got turned pro, has been the absolute opposite. He's a, a spectacular defender in the infield, but the bat has not been able to play. I don't think he's ever going to really develop too much power. I don't think he's ever going to have crazy power numbers. But I mean, he, there is a world where Braden Shoemaker becomes a you know two eighty, two eighty five hitter at the major league level that hits you fifteen home runs a season. Yeah, I like Shoemaker a lot, dude. This is kind of a utility guy, not necessarily utility playing all around the diamond, but, um, you know, a guy that can play multiple positions and a guy that does a lot of different things good. An underrated thing with this guy is his athleticism. Mm -hmm. This is a guy that stole, stole, you know, dang near 30 bases in three years in the minors. Um, you know, in the minors, they don't play that many games. So it's pretty impressive when you think about what this guy could do over a, you know, longer season. Not saying he's going to get that this year, but, you know, for, I mean, a guy that's still super young, um, what was, he was drafted, what, was it 20? 2019, 2020? Yeah, 2020, I think so. Something like that. Um, A&M boy. So, um, you know, love Shoemaker. I think you got a lot of upside from a guy like this. And, 
be cool to see a six foot four shortstop or six foot four uh, middle infielder for the Braves. That'd be kind of crazy coming off Dansby Swanson and uh, Ozzy Albies for so many years. Yeah, it would be wild. Uh-huh. And that brings us to uh, Ari Adrianza and Adedi Hechevarria. I do think that we have better chances to see either of those guys in the major league level than Braden Shoemake, even though it's probably not the most exciting thing. Um, let's start with the least exciting to me, and that's Ari Adrianza. Um, Adrianza is, is just what he is. If you've watched Braves baseball with Ari Adrianza on the field, you kind of understand that. Um, he has had some big time hits. Let's not forget. I want to say that he was the guy that, uh, I'm trying to think, I, I want to say that he kept an inning alive and allowed Soler to hit his three run home run. He had a double before Soler came up and hit a three run home run. So obviously he has had big hits at, at big levels, which is nice. Um, but I mean, the power is not really there. He's not a crazy batting average guy. He can play almost every damn position on the field, which is nice. But nothing really pops off the board with him. Solid defender everywhere, which is also very nice. But, you know, not really stellar in any level. He's not a 40-man guy right now. Um, we mentioned on last episode that they're, all the 40 spots are filled, but two of them are going to open up whenever Matzik and uh, Yanoa both go on the DIL for 60-day. And um, I pretty much shoe in a relief pitcher. Uh, rather that be Jackson Stevens or Jesse Chavez. That means there's probably going to be one position open for a bench spot. And, I mean, we can see if one of these guys can take it, but it, it's not going to be any more than one of them. I guarantee that. Yeah, not too much on Adrianza, man. I do like Adrianza a lot. He had a horrible year last year, by far his worst year in the majors. Um, just couldn't really, really get anything going, man, especially especially with the bat in his hands. Dude yeah. struggled. But big utility piece. You mentioned it. He can play all around the infield. Um He's a switch hitter. You know, he can kind yep. of do it all. So he's a guy that you can plug and play and uh real big uh, depth piece for this team. All right. So now we have a Danny Hetchevaria. And another thing that if you're a Braves fan, you've been around for a while, he was not so much an impact on the Major League, on the World Series team, but he was more of like the Billy Hamilton era. He was more like the guy that we kind of threw together and, you know, things were happening. Like we have all these random veterans on a really, really good team. Don't get me wrong. The team was still star-studded that year. Um, I want to say that was a, a lot better season than what the, the World Series season was. But, um, dude, this guy is electric. This guy plays a stellar shortstop. Um, not very good with the bat in his hands, but whenever he knocks one man, he lets you know he's going to bat flip a single. That's one thing we love about Danny Hedgeberry. Sure. Um, I, I honestly don't think he's going to make the roster. I do think we're going to be sitting pretty with Vaughn and Orlando, and I think that's going to be it at the shortstop position. But I would keep my eye on a Danny. If something was to happen, I could definitely see him make a push. I'm not going to, I'm not predicting. I don't think he's going to make the roster, but I, I think there's a a world that we do see him on the Braves roster. Yeah, dude, he's got a great glove. Um, he's super fast, super athletic, he can steal bases. You put him on the base path, he can do some damage. Um, he's also kind of a big um, morale booster, too. Everybody loves Adeni. Uh, Braves fans love him. You know, last time we saw him was, I think, 2020. Um, I think so. And, uh, you know, had a really, really a couple a couple good years for us, man. Super limited playing time, but he hit 330 in 2019, 254 in, 20, uh, in 2020. And, um, you know, all things considered, when he was given an opportunity, he came through. So, um, yeah, no, um, I don't really know what to expect from him this season, but I do like having him on the roster. Okay. So the shortstop conversation is fun. We mentioned this with the Braves a lot that, you know, you're talking about you're probably, there's a possibility this is your worst position on the field, including outfield. And you're talking about names like that with Von Grissom, Orlando RC. It's definitely not a bad problem to have. (laughs) And then we're funny because we're in the infield topic right here, and it's about to get a lot harder. Um, shortstop was pretty yes. unanimously the uh, weakest position on the field. I-, I think picking the fourth in the infield, because we are including catchers in this infield talk, is kind of hard. 
And uh, I'll go ahead and throw mine at you, Kenny. I'm going second base. I think yeah, second base. Okay, perfect. Um, and the main reason behind that is is that Ozzy's coming off of you know an injury. He's coming off two injuries last year, and I think the first one was what a broken foot, and then he came back and broke his thumb like the next week after he came back. I was trying to trying to slide into second base. Um, and, and Ozzy, man, I, I love Ozzy. Ozzy is a certified stud, extra base hit machine. But my one complaint about Ozzy, man. Ozzy can go through some stretches, man. Ozzy, Ozzy can go through some stretches where it seems like he cannot barrel a ball to save his life. This man will go up to bat for like two weeks straight, and that's where he doesn't have an exit velocity over 85 miles per hour. He will go up there and hit dribblers right into the shift all day long. Um, yeah. Really, really weird approach to the plate for a guy like him, a guy that you would you know, want to get on base more often with the havoc he can cause when he gets on base. But that's not his game. Ozzy's a free swinger. We all know that. Doesn't walk much strikes out. He knows he's not really a huge strikeout guy either. But not much plate discipline. Doesn't really work the count very often. Um, makes a lot of contact. It's just if he can get back to those numbers he was putting up in, you know, 2020, 2021, those type numbers where he was, you know, getting a 2019, I want to say, was a huge season for Ozzy where he was just getting extra base hits left and right. I don't care if he hits 260. I don't know if Ozzy's ever going to be a 300 hitter again like he was in 2017 and 18 in his early on seasons. I think now we're kind of looking more like a 260, a guy that could honestly hit, you know, 70 extra base hits in a season. I don't think that would surprise anybody. 40 doubles, 30 home runs. He's done it before in the past. So if he reaches his potential, I think it's there. I do think the concern is that, um, you know, we just haven't seen it. We haven't seen it in you know, over a season. So, yep. I mean, he got hurt last year. Before he got hurt, he was not playing very good at all. So, no. um, we it, it's just it, it's, it's just not really, like, recency bias is, is going to kind of hurt this this grading. Because I think we all know the player Ozzy is. It's just we have to see it happen again. Yeah, the crazy thing with Ozzy is that when he's healthy and when he's, you know, fully a go, he's a top five second baseman in Major League Baseball. Yes. Um, no doubt about it. And um, even, you know, with the injury concerns, I'd make it argue that he's still top six, top seven. Yes. Um, you bring in guys like Jeff McNeil and talk about guys like that, and you know, obviously we hate the Mets, but, you know, it is what it is. Those guys are going to be in the conversation now, and um, you just kind of got to accept it and move on. But mm-hmm. um, you talk about Ozzy Albies and what he can bring to a team, man, and you're absolutely right. This dude's like five foot eight, buck 65, 170, um, a switch hitter that hits for power. He does um, – you know, the averages aren't as good as they used to be, but I think you hit the nail right on the head, Jake. I mean, I think what you can expect from Ozzy Albies, and, you know, it sounds kind of crazy, you know, 20 is a big number, but, I mean, I could see Ozzy hit for 260 and 20 bombs this year. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy that, he's a demon on the base pass, too. He's going to go out there and, and steal some bases. Um, he plays great defense. You know, him and Dansby had that really, really good connection. From uh, you know second to short, turning two, and doing everything they used to do. I'm curious to see where uh, him and Vaughn can build that relationship up to, especially uh, headed into this year. Don't know how much uh, you know PT Ozzy's gotten in the off season moving forward. What what his trainings look like? You know the health concerns and everything are definitely there. But um, you know uh, hopefully he's going to be good to go, man, and we get to see Ozzy get back to true form. Because last time we saw him in a full healthy season. He hit 30 bombs was an all-star. So Yeah. And not to mention, uh, also the defense this guy plays, like you mentioned earlier. Fantastic defender. Um he's he's one of the best at second base defensively, offensively, probably. Um the only guys I would really like thoroughly rank above him would probably be Jose Altuve and Marcus Simeon. Um those are the two guys I really look at 
Obviously, yep. Jeff McNeil just had his breakout, but whenever Ozzy's right, he is hitting the cover off the ball, and that's what we need to see from him. Um, you get back to those full season numbers, it's going to be a dangerous season, especially for a guy that you know you're probably going to be batting not late in the lineup, but not, not top of the lineup, I wouldn't think. I think the Ozzy was going to slot as like a six or seven type hitter, which is perfect. A guy that can drive in runs. Obviously, you let guys like Riley and Matt Olson with pretty high on-base percentages get up and get on base, and you have a guy right behind him that can drive him in. Absolutely, man. What Ozzy brings to this team is just so unique, and um, I'm just I'm so excited to see him back out there on a daily basis. It'll be awesome. <laughs> so the third position in the infield. Uh, this is where it gets really tough for me because I'm looking at things and uh, if I think about it by league wide. Um, it's crazy. I'm going first base. Me too. I'm going first base when I look at things league wide. I'm comparing position to position around the and league. That's nuts. And that is crazy to think that Matt Olson is, is probably our third weakest position group. I'm not going to say it as a bad thing. He's definitely the second best player in the infield. I would say, but we're talking about position groups here, and the price got damn good at one one position group, and that that just that just just barely ranked above it in my category. Matt Olson, crazy power. Um, obviously last year everybody said it was a down year. Guy still went out and hit damn near almost forty home runs and over hundred RBIs. So with a, like a 360, 370 on base percentage, walked a ton. Um, batting average was low. We still have a lot of fans out there that worry so much about batting average. Batting average is is, is not an important number anymore, guys. Um, nope. Why do you think MLB teams loved Bryce Harper for so long? Whenever he was in Washington and he was hitting 230, but he had a 370, 380 on base percentage. Because the how many times you get on base is the importance in baseball. And if you're walking a lot. I don't care what your batting average is. Um, Joey Gallo, another guy that people used to hate because his batting average is 220. Guess what? This guy's walking a ton, guys. Like, it happens. Um, Matt Olson, a guy that is going to benefit a ton from no more shift. Um, they can't shift anymore. Uh, you have to have two players on each side of the bag, nobody playing out in the grass. That's going to be fun. Um, I, I'm excited about that. Obviously, Truist, we get to see another full season at Truist Park, which is a huge home run park. Um yep. Dude, Matt Olson, I, I think that he is going to have a better season than he did last year. And people are going to say last year was a down year. Last year was a damn good season Matt Olson put together. Um, defensively, I think he's going to get improved. Last year, we saw a couple of little blunders happen at first base, which is not normal for Matt Olson. He's usually a top-tier defensive first baseman. I think he's going to improve defensively. I think he's going to improve offensively. He's going to be a colleague in the you know middle of this Braves lineup for years to come. So, absolute beast. And a very underrated thing with Matt Olson, when you talk about a first base position group that's not super deep, this dude played 162 last year. Yeah. So, um, dude, Matt Olson's a top five first baseman in the MLB. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Everybody was up on this man in, in uh, 2021 when he was an all-star, hit 271 and 39 bombs. Like Jake just mentioned, man, the batting average just does not matter. This dude had an 800 OPS last year, hit 34 bombs with 103 RBIs. Those are insane numbers. And he's the third best position group in, on this Braves roster. Get out of here. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think. I, I It's kind of hard, like, because I, I, I want to dive in a little bit more, but, like, what what do we dive into? Like, I mean, Matt Olson's a damn good baseball player. We gave you the numbers. People take them as they are. Um, There's a lot of casuals, I'm going to say that look at basic numbers or watch the day in, day out. And they're like, oh, yeah, this guy comes up the bat. And I guess it's also a problem with broadcasting stuff. A lot of times, whenever, you know, you watch the broadcast, it shows three key numbers. It's batting average, home runs, RBIs. They show them come up first thing they see. The first stat they show is 230, 240. Oh, this guy sucks. 
What about his OPS? What about his on base percentage? Let's worry about the stuff that is actually important in the game of baseball. Uh, <laughs> and an extra extra base hit machine, doubles machine, home run machine, all the all the power in the world. One thing I want to talk about with Matt Olson too. I heard a lot of people downplaying the shift rule changes this year, talking about how the only shift, you know, you have to have two players on each side of the bag. The only, but you can stand anywhere you want to as long as you're in the dirt. Um, yeah, good luck fielding 110 mile an hour exit velocity in the dirt. All right. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot different. That ball's coming to you, hopping at your feet when you're standing in the dirt, as opposed to 20 feet back in the grass. That's a whole new ball game for those second basemen. So good luck because this dude. When he is grounding out to the shift, he is roping baseballs. Yeah. Matt Olsen can turn on a baseball almost damn near better than anybody I've seen. He will flip one. You don't really see Matt Olsen really work the opposite field too much. He's more of like your, your pool hitter type. Yeah. It's going to help everybody in baseball. If you're a pool hitter that, you know, obviously big time power lefties, Joey Gallows, Matt Olsen's, those type guys, it's going to benefit those type guys a ton not having a shift. I don't care what anybody says. It's going to be a Thank huge you. benefit. Nine times out of ten last year, you saw two things from Matt Olson. It was either a ground out to the shift or a ball ten yards over the chop house. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm I'm so excited to watch Matt Olson play again. Just just like I, I'm excited for baseball in general, and like just talking about these position groups just makes it even more exciting. Um, that's good. That kind of brings me to second, and that's going to be catcher. Um, I don't know how you, is. Are you first? actually at actually at third base here? Okay, so you think okay. I, I respect that. Um let's see. Catcher. Um we'll, we'll do catcher. I'll let you talk a little bit and then we'll we'll jump right to third base since we're we're a little bit different here. And I do see what you're thinking here. This Braves catching group yeah. is the best catching group in baseball. There's not a For better sure. one-two punch in baseball at catcher than what the Braves have. The Braves have two unanimous top ten guys at the catcher position. And I'm sure that the DH, you know, is also gonna have some type of impact in this. And uh obviously I'm gonna start with Travis Darno. I don't know if he's the better catcher i think people would kind of say that sean murphy is but travis darno is our boy so i'm gonna start with him darno is darno um darno is going to darno i don't know how to explain it this dude's gonna go out there he's he's gonna hit you you know 260 270 gonna have you know 20 home 15 to 20 home runs as a catcher in 400 at bats and he's just gonna put up stellar numbers all year great defender um arms a little bit lackluster i think we all know that by now even though last year was an improvement. Last year, he was throwing out base runners, which is something we never really saw Travis Darno do. But like I said, commanding a pitching staff, I, I couldn't ask for anybody better. Um, a professional approach at the plate, couldn't really ask for a catcher to do that better. Um, Darno was just awesome, man. He This guy has became, honestly, like a Braves legend. I think this is going to be a guy that like we're going to talk about with our kids one day. Like, oh, yeah, Travis Darno was that dude. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I love Darno. Everybody loves Darno, Braves fans especially. Um, this guy's just so consistent, man. He's been a super consistent piece for the Braves. Um, you're not going to get a great average from him, but that's, you know, average is average. But he hit, um, you, you know, I mean, I say you're not going to get a great average from him, and then he hits for 268 last year. So it's like, you know, it, baseball, the, the batting average stat is just so, it's so wishy-washy, man. Like a guy like Matt Olson can hit for 271, and everyone's so high on him, and then he hits for 240, and everyone's down on him when his play didn't change at all. And his production didn't change whatsoever. So, you know, you don't look at that too much. But when you're getting a 791 OPS, 18 bombs, 60 RBIs from a catcher in 107 games, um, that's just not super common from a catcher position. Um, the biggest weak point for Travis Darno throughout his entire career is his defense. Um, 
it's not been necessarily a huge issue, but what brings it into a potential issue, not really an issue, but a, you know, a, a focus point I'll say for this race team is that he's 33 years old now or 34, whatever, however old he is. Mm-hmm. Um, 34. So things like that are going to t- deteriorate before the bat does. And what better way to do that than to bring in, uh, in my opinion, the fourth best catcher in major league baseball, Sean Murphy. Yeah. And before we get off there, I know real quick, I'm, I'm going to say something. Last year I was singing when Freddie left. And obviously, it stands still this year. Last year, I was saying Danzy Swanson was the captain. Guys don't know who's been the captain of this baseball team since Freddie Freeman left, and it's going to stay that way. He is your guy on this baseball team. You know, he might not be your best player. Don't get me wrong. He's not the Braves' best player. He's not. He's probably not a top four or five player on the Braves, but he is your leader. Like, it, whenever Freddie left, they offered Darno the locker. Like, that, that's how this thing works. And he shows yeah. it, man. He, he's a different type of leader. Darno's more of like your goofy type guy. You watch him out there, he just... Looks goofy. He's up there hitting. He has strands of hair coming out the top of his damn helmet. He's up there getting hit by pitch by D. Gordon, falling to the ground, making a big old joke of everything. Absolute beast, man. I, I love Travis. Travis is, is, is amazing. And people talk about the power numbers with Wild Bill. Let's not forget, dude, the numbers were not that far off with Travis Darno, power-wise. Not at all. And, you know, the guy you're about to talk about, the guy you're mentioning, uh, going to take probably... 70 to 75 percent of catching games i would assume i think he's probably going to be your primary guy i see a lot of dh opportunities open up for Travis Darno. yes sir and I, the guy we're gonna talk into about it. Into it. the guy we're gonna talk about is braves newbie sean murphy from the oakland a's the in my opinion according to my rankings the fourth best catcher in major league baseball can i guess this can dude, i guess can i guess your top three Real yeah. quick, JT Real Muto, lock. For sure. Will Smith, lock. For sure. All right, this is where the three gets kind of hard. I'm going to throw a little Adley out there. Adley ranked in your top three. It wasn't Adley. It wasn't Adley. Okay. I figured that'd be kind of bold with the guy that just now made his debut last year, but he was insane, so I wouldn't have been surprised. Catcher, top three catchers in baseball. Let's see, JT... Will Smith. Those are locks. Um, um, who's your third? Wilson. Okay. I, I think there's an argument there, but I, I, I respect it. I like Contreras. I, I like Willie Contreras, too. Ready to see him in St. Louis. See what he could do there. Me, too, baby. Me, too. He's just been, he's been so good for so long. Mm-hmm. I agree. But you got guys like Adley. And you also got guys like, uh, you know, Grandall, um, Salvi still doing his thing. You also got guys you got to think about. People like Carson Kelly had a super sleeper year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, Adley. Hey, Cal Rowley from Seattle. Damn good ball yeah. player. Yeah, there's a lot of guys out there, but uh, Sean Murphy was fourth on my board, man, and pretty clear fourth to me. Um, what this dude does behind the plate is absurd. Um, let's get. A couple things straight. We've talked about amazing defensive catchers of all time. You can look up the list. There's the the, the Yachty's. There, there's guys like that that have just been absolutely dominant behind the plate. We haven't seen anybody in my lifetime since I've been a coherent baseball fan be as dominant behind the plate as JT Realmuto. Um, he's been absolutely dominant back there. You cannot do anything with him. He can frame strikes. He can throw you out from anywhere on the field. He is absolutely ridiculous. Sean Murphy's number two. Yeah. 
Um, and that's super exciting to me because that has been such a weak point for this Braves team. It's part of the reason why we were a little bit, you know, a little bit more willing to give up a guy like Contreras in the way that we did is because um, with Darno getting up there in age, you got to think about the fielding aspect of catcher as well. And then you talk about how good this guy is at fielding. You forget the the part where he hit for 250 with a 760 OPS, 18 bombs, 66 RBIs, and 148 games last year. In um, one of the most pitcher-friendly parks in baseball. Yes. This dude is uh, a unicorn. Pretty much. Pretty much. He is JT Ramuto light, and that is no disrespect to him. No, and he's only 28 years old. He's not going to go out there and give you the batting average Ramuto is. He's not. He's probably not going to be a 280, 290 hitter. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think the power numbers are too far off. I know JT is not really your, your prototypical superpower bat. I think he's more of like a 20 home run guy. I think Sean Murphy can give you that type of production, if not more. Um, and obviously, Rio Muto brings a something to the game as that that most catchers don't when it comes to stealing bases. Rio Muto can get active on the base pass, which is something that really no catchers do. Um, but when it comes to gunning down runners, Sean Murphy's second in baseball behind Rio Muto. When it comes to framing pitches, Sean Murphy is better than Rio Muto. There's not a catcher in baseball that does it better than Murphy. Um, we've seen for a long time the Braves have had catchers that go back there and manage pitching staffs. With the best of them. And, you know, the Braves have always had great catching. And when we look at the past, we look at Travis Darno, we look at Tyler Flowers, we look at Kurt Suzuki, we look at Brian McCann, we've always, AJ Brzezinski, we've always ran out serviceable catchers that can manage pitching stats and can call good games. And are solid defensively, don't get me wrong, but they have all had the same issue. And that is throwing out base runners, trying to steal bases. There's a new rule this year, I think, where the bases are, what, 10% bigger? I, I think um, yeah. slightly bigger than they were last year. And... The pitch clock, there's a lot of different aspects that are going to influence a run game to start happening. To baseball, to start becoming more of a stolen base game. And there's no better move than bringing in Sean Murphy. I think a lot of Braves fans had really, really similar opinions whenever we first made the trade. And I, I'm guilty of it. I know me and Kitty both are. Where you're looking at William Contreras, you're like, damn, how much better does this really make the Braves team? Because you're losing a bat like William Contreras. You know, a guy that is really, really questionable defensively, did show improvements last year. Obviously still didn't look like a guy that could take over that number one role. And with Darno, like you mentioned, getting up there at age, you're going to need somebody to take over that number one catching role here soon. Um, but at the time, it, it looked questionable. And I think the most part of that is because a lot of people don't pay attention to Sean Murphy. He played out in Oakland. Nobody really cares about Oakland. He wasn't putting up the numbers Matt Olson was whenever Matt Olson left Oakland. When Matt Olson was leaving Oakland, they had Matt they had Matt Chapman. They had a ton of guys over there, so people had a little bit more eyes on this past year in Oakland. It was a down year. Nobody cared about Oakland. And... Now we're getting a guy, and you start looking, you start digging your numbers. I think me and Kenny had the same, did the same exact thing. We started looking more into numbers. We started trying to research this guy a little bit more, see what this guy's really all about. And all it shows is this guy is a damn good baseball player. This guy is an improvement off William Contreras, which is weird to say. We love Wild Bill. Wild Bill is, you know, one of the best young bats in baseball. It doesn't matter what position you're talking about. But when it comes to managing baseball games and taking over that number one catching role, Sean Murphy is going to be great. This is a guy that caught a ton of games last year, played in a ton of games last year. He's going to do the same thing with the Braves this year, man. He's going to take a lot of workload off Travis Darno, which is very needed. Yeah, man. Sean Murphy is, uh, you're exactly right. When that trade happened, there were so many questions and so many question marks from every Braves fan in the entire world. Like, why would we do this? Why would we give up what we gave up? And then you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, never mind. This is why. That's true. That's true. And I have one more guy, too. I have one more guy, and I, I, I'm going to pull this out. And this is something I've been vouching for oh, for the Braves. Me. 
This is something I've been vouching for the Braves to do for the past two seasons. Last year included because last year we refused to DH William Contreras and it seemed like for the sole aspect because that would leave one that would leave no catchers sitting on the bench. And that one guy's Chadwick Trouble. Just give this man a, a bench spot. I don't I don't mind carrying two catchers. We can carry Chadwick Trump. We can carry Orlando Arcia. We can carry, obviously, Darno or Murphy as another bench guy. And then we can carry Jordan Luplow or another outfitter. It doesn't matter. Give me another catcher so Brian Snicker does not show resistance against DHing his other catcher. Because a guy we're going to talk about a little later, um, we're going to need some help with the DH spot. Unless things have changed a lot over the past two years or in this offseason from what we've seen in the past two seasons, we're going to need a lot of help with the DH spot. And if your only reason of not DHing somebody is because that, that would leave you without having a catcher on the bench. Chadwick Trump is a damn good third catcher. <laughs> this guy is a damn good third catcher. This is a guy that you would not mind at all if he was to get a couple starts during the season. He can hit. I mean, he can play defense. He can do all the fun stuff. Like, come on. Just just get this man on the roster. I love Chadwick Trump. He, he came out last year. He, he had a couple big hits. Obviously, had an injury issue. Then went down to Gwinnett. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm rooting for him to make the team just for the aspect of Darno being able to hit that DH spot a little bit more. One thing about Chadwick Trump that a lot of people forget is that last year he had the best season in MLB history for a catcher. Yeah. What are you seven seven fifty batting average, two thousand OPS? He only played one game, but it was a hell of a game. It was a hell of a game. Trump went out there and balled out. Yeah, we can just expect that for all one sixty two um next year, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I think mean, he's shown enough. No, obviously we're joking here, but um, dude, this dog, this dude is an absolute dog. Um, you love to have this guy be able to come in and you know, like you mentioned it, a potential DH situation. Um, he's young as hell too, man. He's 27 years old. It's kind of crazy to think about him because now that I'm looking at his player player profile, he's five eight two twenty. Yeah, that is wild. Um, awesome. Yeah, absolute dog back there. But no, dude, I love Chadwick. Everybody should love Chadwick because what he's shown um, throughout his career is he's somebody that can, and throughout his career, he's had very, very limited playing time. Very mm -hmm. limited playing time. But he's been able to come in and make an impact for the past three seasons since he's been in the, the big leagues. And, um, you know, for him to come in and only play one game for the Braves last year, obviously there's still a big question mark. But for him to play the way that he did, and kind of bounce back the way that he did, you know, go back down to AAA, fighting the injury for the rest of the year. We didn't really get an opportunity to see him. You gotta, you you gotta hope this guy gets a fair shake and gets an opportunity to come in and play some, some, some actual big time baseball, some meaningful baseball this season. And um, no, dude, I'm with you 100. I was, I'm glad you said something about him. I wasn't sure if we we're gonna dive into it, but this is a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing play. And obviously, when you got to catch a duo, Sean Murphy and Travis Darno, how much are you gonna see him? But when you got to see him, you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, it just to me, it's almost like putting him on the major league team because of an insurance reason. Now, if there was, you know, pitchers were still hitting in the National League, I, I wouldn't blame them for not putting him on the roster. I don't think that he's, you know, a super valuable bat to have off the bench in, you know, clutch situations. But to have that insurance on the bench um, is huge to me. Especially if you wanted to go out there and DH Travis Darno on a night. And, you know, having a guy like Sean Murphy, if something was to happen, he was to get injured, you just bring Travis Trump off the bench and, let him roll. And he's already with your major league club. Um, You're on a road trip or something. Murphy has to hit the IL. You know, you're fine at the catcher position. You can just bring up an infielder or an outfielder or whatever you want to to kind of fill that bench role for a couple weeks if, if one of those guys was to get hurt. Catcher is a position, man, that, you know, the season's long for these guys, especially down here in the, in the Georgia heat. 
um, things are a little bit different. It's hard to go out there and catch a lot and uh, not face injury issues. And, you know, we talked yep. about Travis Darno earlier um, about his, his one question mark through his career being his fielding. Another question mark with him, man, before he got to Atlanta was injury issues. He's been a guy that has, stuck, you know, suffered from nagging injuries throughout his career. So, you know, getting a full season out of a catcher is fantastic, but definitely it's not something you can expect to happen year in, year out. Not at all. All right, so that leads us to third base. And you had it as your second strong position. I had it my first strongest position. Um, and like I said, I definitely see the route you're going, um, like with catcher being the best best catching group in baseball. Um, but I went third base just because I do feel like this is the second best offensive player on the Atlanta Braves. Um, yeah. Behind Ronald Acuna. I, sure. I, know, I know Ronnie had a down year. Ronnie's a different talent. Um you just watch the Braves play, even when he's in a slump, you still see him and you're like, okay, this kid is different. Austin's pretty damn close to that. <laughs> Kid's 6'3", probably 250. Um, I, I, he's listed at 240. I, I would argue he probably has a little bit more weight than that nowadays. He looks like he's, he's a pretty hefty guy. And it's good weight. Austin Riley is built like a tank. Um, and for the past two seasons, all Austin Riley does is has been is rake. I mean, this guy just absolutely crushes baseballs. Um. Guy that you're looking at has the potential to be a 280, 290 guy. Guy that has the potential to be, you know, a pretty high batting average guy. Could hit 300. Two years ago, I mean, I think he was 297, right below 300. Last year, obviously, the batting average fell down a little bit. He had a crazy month and then, you know, kind of went down a little bit as the season went on. The bad ball skills are there. Um, Does strike out a little bit. Doesn't really walk as much as I would like for a superpower guy. But, man, if you're going to go out there and give me a, you know, what, I don't have his numbers in front of me. I'm assuming, you know, 800 OPS. Um, last year, an 877 OPS. Um, four, 349 on base percentage, a 273 batting average. With 38 bombs and, uh, and 93 RBIs. Um, yeah, you are one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, I expect, re- Go ahead. Let me read you a list here, Jake. You just give me your... I, I'm going to... This is, this is going to be nine guys. I'm just going to give you a quick list and you tell me one thing about each guy when I rip off a name. Ready? Mm-hmm. Trey Turner. You just want me to tell you something about him? Yeah, just just tell me your general opinion in, in a brief two-second summation of each guy that I say on this list, starting with Trey Turner. Crazy speed, solid defender, um, great bat, number one shortstop in baseball. Okay, Juan Soto. Best bat-to-ball skills in the game of baseball. Amazing eye. Um, Best hitter in baseball. Sandy Alcantara. Um, this era is Jacob DeGrom. Justin Verlander. The Iron Man maybe could still be the best pitcher in baseball. Max Scherzer. Um, not too far off, Justin Verlander. <laughs> Julio Rodriguez. Um, the game's best up-and-coming star. Bryce Harper. Oh. Um... If Mike Trout didn't exist, this guy would be the one that would be taking all the spotlight. Vladdy. Um, one of the best pure hitters in baseball. Rafael Devers. Another one of the best pure hitters in baseball. That was nine guys that I just mentioned. Each one of these nine guys, you heard Jake make an argument that they could be the absolute best player in their their respective positions in the entire major league. Yes. The next guy on that list is Austin Riley. This is according to MLB's dot, MLB.com's top 100 players in the MLB. This is 11 through 20. Yeah, and we're famously, talking, he is ranked above Ronald Cunha. 
we're talking about guys on this list that could be the best player in their position in Major League Baseball. And Austin Riley's on this list. And we're sitting here talking to you about how Austin Riley's the second best offensive player on this team. Yes. This is absolutely ridiculous, man. If you are a Braves fan and you are not aware of the potential and the skill and talent that this team has on the active roster right now, you need to wake up, dog. Pinch yourself. There's not many teams that ever get this opportunity to see this caliber of baseball being played. We've already got a World Series ring out of it. Ronald Acuna didn't even play in that World Series run. We've got a team that you could argue is better in all aspects than that team that won that World Series from top to bottom, offensively, defensively, pitching, you know, starting rotation, bullpen. And we're talking about a guy like Austin Riley that is in the conversation of best third baseman in baseball. He's in the conversation every single year of the most valuable player. He is in the conversation of best hitter in baseball. He's in the conversation of anything you want to talk about that could be positive from a third baseman and from a baseball player in general. And he's just one of many on this baseball team that we could have conversations about. Yes. Um, I'm going to say this. I I think this third base group we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now is going to be something that we're going to look back on in 20 years and be like, okay, we got to watch all these guys, man, third. Such Such a long period of time, and it was kind of historic. And those guys are Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, um, Rafael Devers, Jose Ramirez, and Austin Riley. Those are your five. Um, you can put them in whatever order you want to. I mean, I, I think that any five of those guys could be number one. I think any five of those guys could be number five on that list. I, I don't think that the, 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 the gap is too big. Obviously, you look at guys like Machado, Ramirez, and Arenado. They've been doing it for a lot longer than Devers. And, you know, Riley is the newest guy on that list. Devers has been doing it longer than Riley has. Um, they are pretty much identical. Baseball players, Raphael Devers and Austin Riley, um, offensively, insanely insane, or insanely close. Um, Riley's obviously from the right side, Devers from the left side. And that's no discredit to Austin Riley, because Raphael Devers is an absolute freak of nature. Um, yeah, just cheer hater, man. When you talk about just a guy that goes up there and just rakes, you can't talk. Like, there's nobody you can definitely say does it better than Austin Riley. Um, nope. I, I've been on a mantle for a long time that Freddie Freeman is, is my favorite pure hitter in baseball. A guy that's going to go out there and hit 320, 300, hit any pitch in the strike zone. Um, and I'm not saying Austin Riley's Freddie Freeman. They're different type of hitters. Right? Freddie Freeman was not a 38 home run guy. Freddie Freeman was not a 40 home run guy. Um, Freddie Freeman was going to give you a little bit more, uh, probably a little bit more better approach and uh, you know more contact. But, man, to lose a guy like Freddie and have Austin Riley just step up and take those reins so quick, is, is beautiful because, you know, the Braves kind of have a passing the torch thing for the past three decades, it seems like from Chipper Jones to Freddie Freeman to Austin Riley is what I think is happening right now. Yep. I agree, dude. This is a, uh, I mean, all memes aside, all cliches aside, what a time to be alive for Braves fans, man. This yes. is, this is crazy, dude. Like the, to be able to, and this is not some Homer podcast where we're talking about hot takes. Like that's MLB's top, 20 players in baseball that I just ripped off 11 through 20 on. And Austin Riley is on that list. And we haven't, I mean, we're 51 minutes into the show. I'm not sure if we're going to get to the outfield part of it, but we haven't even talked about guys like Ronald Acuna Jr., who 
is in the conversation of being the best baseball player in the world. We haven't even talked about guys like Michael Harris, who was the you know rookie of the year last year. You know, like this is crazy, dude. Like to be able to have these conversations about guys, and then you talk about bringing in a top five uh, catcher and Sean Murphy, a top five first baseman and Matt Olson, you know, a top ten catcher and Travis Darno that we just brought in another guy to to play back there with him, like, and then arguably the best starting rotation top to bottom, statistically the best bullpen in baseball. I mean, the weak point on this team is Brian Snicker. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think you're wrong. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of opportunity with this team. That, that, that is the beauty of this. Um, if you just busted through the infield where we had um, five guys in the top ten in five positions, obviously, you know, two of them at catcher. Um, yeah, Von Grissom. It's way too early to tell. I mean, this guy can go out there next year and become a top 10 shortstop in baseball. There's no yep. doubt in my mind about that. I mean, we saw Jeremy Pena kind of take that reign right there last year as a rookie shortstop with um, Houston. Let me say, we lost Anthony Swanson. Houston Astros lost Carlos Correa. So I think there's a little bit different <laughs> caliber there. <laughs> in, in my opinion, Braves fans might get mad when they hear that. But just to me, Carlos Correa is that next tier above Anthony Swanson. Yeah. Um, he's closer to Trey Turner than he is to Anthony Swanson. Uh, Agreed. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we saw it happen. I mean, Houston, if you look at a team that's in Major League Baseball right now that is the closest to the Atlanta Braves, I would think that that team would be the Houston Astros. And I still think on paper the Atlanta Braves are a better baseball team. I don't think that there's a team in baseball that you could put on paper and tell me that they're better. Um, Houston does have some gaps on us. Obviously, DH is a huge one. Gordon Alvarez to Marcelo Zuna is a huge gap. When we talk about position by position, I mean, we have first base. Um, I, I would argue that they probably have second base right now. They probably have shortstop. We have catcher, no doubt. We have third base, no doubt. Um, we have right field, no doubt. We have center field, no doubt. Starting rotation, Braves take it all day long. Bullpen, Braves take it all day long. Um, this team is insane. And, you know, baseball, the problem is last year we got caught up by the Phillies who were hot. Baseball's a big hot and cold game. Um, if, if you catch the wrong team on the wrong night or the wrong weekend, things can go bad for you quick. That's just how the game works. Very quickly. Do you want to try to do outfield? Uh, it is kind of getting a little bit late on our side of things. Um, Whatever you think, man. Let's hold we'll outfield. Yeah, we'll save it. We got four different groups to go through. Obviously, left, center, right, DH. So we'll save all that for the outfield. Um. That was a fun one. This is beautiful, man. I love going over position breakdowns. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about it, doing the math. Opening day is March 30th. Yeah, we're getting close. Really close. I mean, it's February 22nd here. We do our outfield breakdown February 1st. The following episode is going to be February 8th, dude. We're going to be two and a half weeks out opening day. Like, this is... It's crazy to think, but, um, you know, by the time we get done with a full Braves team breakdown, you know, we might have an episode or two where we talk about projections, what we think we're going to see, and then it's game time, dude. Yep. We'll have some spring training stuff we get to talk about, some guys that are kind of making names. I mean, it happens every spring training. You see some guys go out there and kind of like the world on fire get rumored. Okay, is this guy going to make the squad? Or you see a guy like, you know, a relief pitcher go out there and put up a 70 ERA, and you're like, okay, is this guy going to make the squad? I don't know. <laughs> So there's a lot of fun things that happen in spring training. Obviously, I mean, spring training does not matter at all. Um, it's funny. It's kind of like football where you see a lot of really good teams do bad in, in preseason and a lot of bad teams yep. do good. <laughs> it's kind of like a an opposite effect in spring training and preseason football, same thing. Um, 
and it, it wouldn't surprise me. People are, I'm going I'm to tell you this right now, Kenny. People are going to overreact like crazy on spring training numbers. Oh, yeah. Just wait until Ronnie goes out there and hits 175 in spring training. Everybody says that we should have traded him in the offseason. It's going to be so funny. We should have traded him. We should have, we we should have packaged Dawson Riley in the in the Sean Murphy deal. There's no way he's going to maintain this pace. Wait until Marcelo Zuna hits 330 in spring training and people start agreeing with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would justify it. Yeah, it don't matter. I've been on his side the whole time. Yeah. You want to know a fun fact? What's that? Just, just, just you know, closing thoughts. Did you know Austin Riley's real name is Michael? I did not know that, but I love that. That is, that is dope. Michael Austin Riley. I had no idea. Imagine Austin Riley's stats 40 years ago with the name Mike Riley. Mike Riley. Oh, yeah. Hall of Famer, no doubt. First ballot. Oh, yeah. We have a little Michael Austin Riley and Matthew Kent Olsen. Like, and, uh, Kent Olsen. Mike, Michael Soroka. Michael Soroka. Ugh. I love you, Mike, but I'm not a big fan of the name change. Go back to it. Um, Just looking at some stuff right quick before we end off. I do want to mention, this is kind of weird. Um, Matt Olsen struck out at a lot higher rate than he did the year before in Atlanta. And that's something he can get back to normal. Um, 2021, he struck out 113 times. 2022, he struck out 170 times. Um, obviously, you see a 31-point differential in the batting average from 2021 to 2022. If he can bring those strikeout numbers back down and put the ball in play a little bit more, like we mentioned earlier, with his exit velocities and actually being able to rope a baseball almost any time he touches one, um, that is going to be very impactful for his season. Oh, yeah. Um, if he can get back down to you know a lower strikeout percentage, it's going to help a ton. That, that, Absolute dog. That is about it for me, Kenny. I think I'm good. Huh? I'll go ahead and do a little closing thought for me. Um, if you listen to us on YouTube, watching us on YouTube, check us out on Spotify Apple Podcast. Check out the podcast if you missed anything. Um, same thing for you, Spotify Apple Podcast people. If you want to go check us out on the live on YouTube, it's uploaded right at the podcast end. You get to see it a little bit early compared to the podcast. We do podcast at 9 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. For the most part, today was closer to 10. Um, and then obviously the podcast is uploaded the next morning. Um, yeah, check it out on YouTube. Thank you, thank you guys for all the support. Kenny, I'm pass towards you. Let you finish it off. Yeah, man, you covered it well. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Excited baseball season's closing in. Spring training is in full effect. We'll have our outfield breakdown next week, and uh, we'll be ready to roll shortly after that. So appreciate y'all for listening. Y'all have a good one. Oh yeah.